The stages of rehabilitation can be used to inform survivors, family, friends, and communities after challenging events. The focus and language is different depending upon each group, but the pathway is the same. I want to identify and provide a brief description of the stages, not as a means of advice, but to provide insights and ideas gained by stories of individuals who experience tough and challenging events. Each guest is in a specific stage. So listen, see if you can identify what they did and are doing to move forward in their healing and recovery process. Stage one, acute recovery. First things first, this is the beginning of your healing and recovery journey. The focus is on immediate survival needs for all affected. Focus on what you can and should do right now. Don't think too far in advance. Look at what you can control in the here and now. Tragedy at the Veterans Home of California in Yonville. The nearly eight-hour standoff with police apparently started when the suspect barged into a going-away party. They were having cake and, you know, toasting and all that, and then apparently he just walked in uh, with, this, uh, with this rifle. Early in the standoff, Wong and officers fired at each other. Three women hostages and a gunman dead. Jennifer Gonzalez-Shusheriva's life was tragically taken at the hands of someone she was trying to help. Today on Sliver of Hope, the podcast series on post-traumatic growth, Dr. Joyce Michael Flynn talks with TJ Shushariba about stage one, acute recovery, in our series focusing on guiding survivors towards growth after trauma through Metahab. Find out more at metahab.com. Hi, this is Dr. Joyce Michael Flynn, and today I'm going to visit with TJ Shushriba. And it's uh, bittersweet for me to do this because um, I love talking to TJ, but the topic is really tough. And so we're going to talk about his beautiful wife and my friend, Dr. Jennifer Gonzalez Shushriba. And I think at this point, TJ, I'm going to let you introduce yourself and then start out. Uh, start. We'll start out with the story. Uh, thanks, Joyce. I appreciate it. Um, my name uh, is uh, TJ Shushariba. Um, Jennifer was my wife. Um, you know, um, so Friday, March 9th, 2018, uh, I, the day like any other, right? Um, I, uh, I, I was going to the gym early in the mornings, um, because my evenings at the winery I work at, uh, tend to push a little bit, uh, later five, five thirty, six. Um, you know, I, we had been in a, a regimen of, uh, uh, of trying to, you know, be healthy and go to the gym and such. And so, uh, I was missing out on time at home with her at night, um, where I felt like, you know, I had a rush and, and I wanted to get dinner ready and cooking and things like that. Uh, by the time she got home at 7.30, 7.45, 8 o'clock. And so I, I chose to start going to the, to the gym in the mornings. And I'd actually done that for two, just about two weeks straight, which is, um, if you know anything about myself or Jennifer, we both enjoy our sleep. Um, and being that Jennifer was pregnant as well, uh, it was uh, really important for her to continue to get her sleep. So that, uh, that Friday morning, I went to the gym, uh, as I had been for the past couple weeks. Um, and, uh, I came back from the gym. Uh, I had kind of got a chance to see her before she left. Um, we did our typical routines, which was, um, you know, um, 
say goodbye, but at that time, I, I never liked really saying goodbye. Um, to me, goodbye felt so final. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I said, you know, I'll see you later. Uh, and she would say, no, I'll see you later. Um, and then, you know, we said, he love, uh, I love you to each other. Um, and I said bye to what we were calling June baby, um, because at the time we didn't know uh, the gender um, of our baby, um, eventually finding out uh, that it was a girl. Um, and uh, and I said, you know, bye June baby. And, and she said, bye papa. <laughs> Um, and we decided to, uh, which, you know, we had, she had to leave. And so then I stayed at home and, and finished breakfast and then took off. Um, specifically memories of a, of, of a text message chain that had come in that, that morning um, with her, my mother, and myself uh, in regards to um, she had sent a picture to my mom that was a, a, a selfie mirror shot of her with her bump um, and saying that her... Uh, uh, her grandbaby was growing, you know, quite going, going growing along quite well. Um, and then my mom responds, and then I respond, uh, and then there was a text message that came in about nine forty six a.m. I want to say um, from Jen, you know, re- responding to the to the messages, and and I, then I believe that's probably the last text message she ever sent. Um, I hit in on the way to work, um, and um we'll probably talk about this more music is a really big thing for me um and there's a a a radio station out of seattle kexp that i've been listening to for uh quite a long time um and it's really kind of made things a little bit you know quote unquote easier for me and but we'll get into that later with there was a song um that came on that morning as i was driving in by a band called bodega um and the song is called how did this happen um and it's kind of ironic um, that, uh, that I happened to hear that song as I'm driving in, um, you know, after finding out everything that happened. But, um, so I'm at the winery doing what I do, which is hosting people. This happened to be what we call a trade host, uh, mm-hmm. trade tasting where, uh, another, uh, individual from a winery came through. My winemaker was there with us. We're sitting downstairs in the cellar, um, just talking about the wines and talking about life as we typically tend to do. My GM comes downstairs. This is probably about 1125, um, and says, you know, TJ, you might want to call, uh, the, the, the veterans home is under, um, lockdown. Um, you might want to call your wife. And I said, oh my gosh. Okay. And I run upstairs I look at my phone, you know, I didn't have any really good cell reception downstairs in the cellar. I look at my phone, I see a, um, a voicemail from our friend Liz Russell, uh, who worked at the Pathway Home with Jennifer, um, a, a, a Nixle text message alert, which was what we were receiving during the fires, which is an update for the county and the, right. you know, everything that kind of shows you what was going on when the fires happened last year in October of 2017. Um, and I didn't really look at that. And then I saw a text message from Liz that says, please call, um, with like three or four exclamation marks. Um, I don't call Liz. I don't text Liz back. I call Jen, mm-hmm. uh, and I have four rings and it goes to voicemail. Um, and I said, uh, I hope you're okay. Uh, I love you. I'm on my way. I'll see you soon. Uh, and then I, uh, I, I, I get in the car. I, I put a piece of gum in my mouth. I remember that specifically because that's the last piece of gum I've ever had and will probably be the last piece of gum I ever have. Um, and, uh, I, I jump in the car and I, I take off now. Um, you know, if anyone knows <laughs> Jen, um, you know, I, I'm sitting there telling myself that it's going to be okay. She's going to be okay. Right. Um, but I didn't want to speed going down there because God forbid I get into a car accident right. and she's okay. And she's really, really mad at me for, for mm-hmm. <laughs> driving too fast to get mm-hmm. down to everything is okay. Um, but, uh, I ended up, you know, getting passed by two 
uh, unmarked uh, cop uh, police SUVs. I said, this is my opportunity. I follow them like like they were a blocker, and I do about 80 miles an hour down 29 saying, pull me over if you want, but I'm going to see my wife. Yeah. Uh, I get into the uh, to the Yountville um, main area, and we go to where the town hall, um, where uh, Liz Russell, um, uh, the other individuals who were um, let go from the hostage situation um, that was taking place in um, Building G, um, uh, where the pathway home was on the veterans uh, campus. And uh, we kind of just sit and talk and I ask questions and they don't have answers. They tell me who this individual was. I'd never heard of him before. Um, and uh, we just, we sit and we ate, we wait. Um, you know, that was probably around, I don't know, 1145 or so. Um, and we uh, were just... We're just in the dark, and, and I can't describe the feeling of helpless more. Uh, you know, six o'clock was the second. Uh, six o'clock p.m. was the second um, pol- uh, police briefing that they had up closer to the mm-hmm. the, the, the the campus there for the veterans' home. Um, y- you know, I'm very pragmatic. I'm very practical. I'm very logical. That's just how I'm. I, I was. I was built, um, and. I just kind of worked through it as if everything was going to be okay. But, you know, I, I just, I really believed that the authorities involved who have received all this training and who are, um, you know, paid to to support, you know, us as citizens in terms of their service. And I really believed that they were going to do what they needed to do to to, to find out what was going on. I, I don't look at this as if it was, you know, pointing blame at, at, uh, at any one individual mm-hmm. um, uh, mm-hmm. in terms of those first responders. I, I just don't know what was going on. And, and there was really nothing they could tell us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know, call that naivete or what, but mm-hmm. I, I, I just, I, I went with it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, eventually family started coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and calls were coming in and text messages were coming in and people were concerned um, because this was making national news, right? right? This wasn't right. just local. Um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you know, three or more individuals are um, you know, in, involved with someone with a shooter, it becomes uh, you know, a, a, um, an active shooter situation and a mass shooting at that mm-hmm. point, I guess. Right. Now, being that Jennifer was pregnant, there was four individuals in that situation. But um, you know, so we we just kind of surrounded ourselves with each other and and acted as if this was going to be okay. No one really, you know, thought things were going to end the way they the way that they did. Yeah. My folks are on the East Coast, so they're just waiting for me to give them an update. But right. every one of Jen's family that could be in that room with us, um, which probably like you know looked like a, um, a kind of a court room type right. you know auditorium right. thing, mm-hmm. um, and there was probably about thirty five of us in there, maybe. Um, eating pizza that was donated by, um, you know, a restaurant in town. Because um, as, you, as you mentioned, we'd, we'd been there for six plus hours. Um, the uh, four officers, I want to say, walked into the room around 6.55 p.m. and uh, asked that we all kind of be quiet. They asked that the doors were shut at that moment, I believe, that at least that I knew this was not going to be good news. I, I have to assume that a lot of other people felt that way as well. Um, they then kind of read off what, you know, feels like uh, a script, you know, at 6.05 p.m. We entered the room and found that, you know, that Jen was was killed, shot to death. Um, at, at that moment, you know, I, 
jaw-dropping and, and uh, being struck down and, and those types of examples that I can provide are, are, are you know, a very, very light version of what I felt. Um, I'll say something that's pretty interesting and, and uh, you know, those that were there may or may not remember this. I couldn't cry. I just put my head down in my hands and I, and I just, I wailed, but like without crying, I felt... I mean, so that was, I feel like that was, you know, felt like an hour, right? It was probably 10 minutes. Um, but I thought as soon as I left my, I put, put, would pull my head up, open my eyes that we would, we would see her. And it's like, we were on punked, right? Like this was right. just not real. It was going to be completely, it was just like, this is a joke guys. Like what a terrible, terrible joke. But, um, but it wasn't, it was absolutely real. Um, uh, and, and I'll describe later on what I think real feels like because that's where I'm at now, which is mm -hmm. almost eight months after the incident. Um, but you know, we're just all hugging and, and people are sobbing and, and, and we just can't believe it in a state of shock. And I call my parents. Um, my, my mom was back home in Pennsylvania. My dad was in, you know, another part of the, of the state in Pennsylvania. And so they weren't even near each other. And, and so I had to get them on kind of like, um, a conference call and they just, couldn't believe it either and just mm -hmm. they were just this is so terrible um and it, it just didn't it, it didn't really it didn't really set in and if we want to continue down this road of what the next couple of days felt like what the next couple of months felt like yeah that just that that's the good thing because you really are taking people through this this is the first like oh my gosh i get this message and then where do I go over the next few days? And we also know, TJ, and I was there for uh, the memorial service at in Yonville, and I was there for Jennifer's, um, and um, I'll let you, um, who's your daughter? Cecilia Rose. Says, I was there for Jennifer and Cecilia Rose's um, funeral. And so um, it also is, I think all of us were still in this almost disbelief stage until you then move on from there. So talk about that. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of hard to look back and remember because it was just such a hazy point um, in time. Um, you know, we I, I didn't go to sleep until probably 3 or 4 a.m. That, that night. Um, and I'll be real honest, I never had any trouble sleeping. I didn't wake up in the middle of the night. I didn't have any nightmare nightmares. I didn't um, wake up sobbing. I didn't. I had, I had none of that. And I I can't tell you what to attribute that to. It's just mm -hmm. that's how my body handles handled mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. um, but we, uh, you know, we 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 just we kind of just were with family. You know, I was on the couch for a solid month. Um, Partially because in our house, you know, we had a guest bedroom set up for some people and then my parents ended up taking um, what was our master bedroom um, and I just stayed on the couch. Um, you know, it was, it's weird to look back on it. Some things that I really remember, I mean, we just, we mentioned earlier in this conversation about music being important to me. I just had music playing the entire time. It went from, um, you know, the Graceland um, album by Paul Simon, which was one of it's her, it was her favorite album. <laughs> Um, to, you know, uh, uh, an album that she really liked by the Head and the Heart, to the Hamilton soundtrack, to mm -hmm. the Book of Mormon soundtrack that we went and saw last year. So, I mean, all these different things of, of, of constantly having music on the background because he, here's the deal, silence is deafening, all right? And you really just, I, I, can't, I can't describe that enough. I mean, I'm a music head to begin with, but like, 
I, I didn't have I didn't have anything to come home to anymore, and so music uh, had to be playing because I just didn't like the silence. Um, it, it kind of you know put me into a a tough a remembrance of a tough place. Um, we go to the you know back up for a second before the the Yachtville um, uh, kind of celebration of life. Um, you have a lot of there's a lot of plans that have to go into place of like what you're gonna do. Um, and I had never really lost anyone, obviously that's close to me, but um, had never dealt with anything like this before. And so we, I mean, thankfully, <laughs> Jen's family is bunch of planners. Yes, they are. So yes, they, are. they are able to just like drop everything and then like, you know, have someone delegate tasks out and, and, and they did it. And we planned, you know, uh, this amazing celebration of life for her uh, and Cecilia in you know about a week and a half, and uh, a thousand people showed up to the church, and a thousand people were at the uh, CIA Copia in Napa to remember um, our two sweet girls, and it was incredible. Um, but but we all we all rallied together. You know they they've called themselves Jen's family and, and friends have called themselves a tribe, and that's exactly what they are. Oh yes. Um, they get together um, and and really are are there to support. Um, the community of Napa really rallied around us in general. I think I, I kind of want to mention something that is is involved with with me and my life and how I kind of manage my day to day because of who I am personality wise um, and uh, and how I was kind of programmed, et cetera. I couldn't get away from the trying to help people. And I mean that in, in two different ways, right? Like, how can I help you emotionally? Because that's just what I do. I'm usually there for people, and yet I'm the one suffering the most, if you want to call it the most, based on losing Jennifer as my my, my everything. But, um, you know, when people were at my house, how can I get, how can I help you? What can I get for you? Do you want some water, wine? Can I help you with this? Can I, can I make that for you? I don't, I don't know how to not, dele- like, I don't know how to delegate. I don't yeah, know how to just, right. I, I, I'm, you know, my, my therapist says I, I have, um, uh, you know, not control issues, but I like things in control. Not yeah. that I'm controlling, but uh, I like to kind of be in control. And uh, I couldn't really put my, my hospitality background on hold. It's not something I was able to do. Uh-huh. Um, and, and finally people were like, just chill out, man. Like you need to, cause your, your body's just going. That's back to that right. autopilot mode of like just continuing forward. And, um, it, it's, it, it was just so interesting to be able to look back on that and be like, Oh, that's what shock looks like. Right. That's where I was going with this about this being almost eight months in and going, wait, wait a minute. I, I look back on those first three months and I just can't even, I can't even really put into to words what that was like and and the only thing i can kind of you know describe is it, it was shock it was my right. body protecting itself um now i'm i'm in the real mode i mean i mean oh yeah this is not changing there's not anything that's gonna you know turn different from it i wake up every morning she's not there mm-hmm. right i go to work because that's what you do you continue moving forward i come home she's not there this isn't changing. This is real. Yeah. What is life like for you? How are you moving through that, TJ? Well, yeah, I can tell you I'm not going to the gym in the morning anymore. That's, <laughs> that's real simple. Um, look, lack of motivation is real. All right. It's, it, it, you know, we, I used to cook for her. We cooked for each other. But I, I would, you know, husbandly duties, in my opinion, if I was able to be home before she was, meant to have dinner ready for her on the table when she walks in the door, you know. 
Um, one of the th- one of the incredible things about our relationship was she got happiness and joy um, from me doing little things like that. But then, th- thusly, my happiness and joy came from her happiness and joy, right? And so now, you know, I don't have anyone to cook for, mm-hmm. right? And so, what's that like? I I I don't know. I'm still working through that. I, mm-hmm. I tell you, like I said, lack of motivation is real. I don't really find cooking interesting anymore, mm-hmm. um, or as much as I I have. That's that's this myopic viewpoint but um, in general you know i I find it hard to to go to the gym because uh, why right i mean i'm pretty smart like i'm 36 okay and i was a completely different person we'll call it 10 years ago okay oh eight oh nine is a really you know i made a turning point in my life i got i got healthy um i i um, made uh, conscious decisions to be smarter about certain things um, you know, when I met Jen, it, it, you know, she just made me a better person first and foremost, obviously. Um, but I was already in a good place in my life in that, in that time frame when I met her, but I don't want to regress. I don't want to go back in time after losing my everything because I don't have that anymore. Right. Right. But I, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I, I wake up and I, and I get out of bed because that's what you do. There's no other option, mm-hmm. you know. I sure could I could I stay in bed all day long? Absolutely. But what, what is that? What is that going to do? Mm-hmm. How am I going to get better from that? Mm-hmm. Better is such a, a relative, to like you know, term. Why I even use it? But you know, you got you got to keep moving forward. And it's not just because she would want you to do that. Okay, oh, that's a good point. But mm-hmm. you you yourself have to make that conscious decision. There's nothing wrong with if you want to stay in bed. I mean, I only took four weeks off from work. I jumped right back into it because my body had to need, you know, to find the routine again. Right. Going right. to work every day, coming home, okay? Um, I'll say one thing, though, and this will be a really good plug for uh, the, the Calm app, okay? But I, um, you know, I was, a, I was kind of a mindfulness person before. Uh, one of my close friends who, um, who was our efficient, one of our efficients at our wedding in March of 2017, um, Megan Monahan is, uh, she's really big into mindfulness and, uh, you know, she, she did some work with Deepak Chopra for a while. She's currently, uh, finishing her book on meditation, which is going to be fantastic. Um, but I, I've kind of gotten to this meditation mode where I use the Calm app and for the past 175 days, I have meditated for at least 10 minutes a day. Now I can't speak to that helping everyone, um, I can't even speak to the fact that it's helping me, but that's that routine again, right? I've, I, I, I find that meditation does not take the pain away, right. does not make me better, but it is something that allows me to remember to breathe. We, 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 we just don't stop enough these days, right? We keep going. We set these unnecessary expectations and the judgment that's, that's kind of bringing things um, to light with us saying that, oh, you, 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 how are you not acting this way or why are you not doing this? No, if you can just stop and take the time to really just remember to breathe. I mean, anyone that doesn't that says, oh, I don't have time for that. You know what I'm saying? You don't have 10 minutes yes. of your day? Yeah. You're kidding yourself. Yeah, right. All right. I flossed every single day since Jen was killed in March, <laughs> on March 9th, right? We were flossing earlier in the, in the, in the year, kind of, we just got another kind of kick after going to the dentist. Okay. okay? Um, but you don't have 90 seconds to floss, you're kidding yourself, right? And now we, we, we joke, we think that's flossing is kind of funny, right? Like why? Um, actually, it gives me a chance to think about her, you know? And it's something that reminds me of her in that situation. 
Um, and I'm going to keep doing it just like I'm going to keep doing this meditation thing. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's helping in some way. Um, and I, and I really, uh, I really support those that could, uh, could take the time, uh, and find the time to do that for, for just a little bit out of their day, uh, and remember to breathe. So I, this is so important for people to hear this because you're breathing right now too. So I see that that's really great. This is so important for people to hear this about just because in this part of the process, it is pretty much day to day. And I, you shared with me before a pretty interesting metaphor because I said something to you about, do you ever even start to entertain future thoughts? And you shared a metaphor with me, and I want you to talk about that now, TJ. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, future thoughts are there. Um, again, I'm a, I'm a positive guy. All right. At 36, I'm going to find love and happiness again. I just, it's, it's out there, right? Mm -hmm. It'll be different mm -hmm. for sure. But, um, I don't go through that wondering, like if that's ever going to happen, no, it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the future looks like. We'll be real honest about that. And the metaphor that I described to you, I think is, um, it's a pretty powerful one. Look, I'm driving a car, right? And I cannot see out the front windshield. All I have is a rear view mirror and I can see the mile markers behind me. Mm -hmm. All right. And, and I will go back to the fact that I'm a pragmatic and logical guy and I want a roadmap. I want measure of progress and how I'm doing this. And this type of situation, this acute situation, mm -hmm. right? Is, is something that I'm never going to have a roadmap for. There's no way to describe how I'm going to go ahead and make it. There's no way to say, oh, okay, you got to take the right turn here. No, I can't see where I'm going. I have no idea what that looks like. But as I mentioned before about meditating 175 days straight, right? I can see how mindfulness and meditation has helped me along the way as I look in that rearview mirror because I can see points where if I hadn't been doing that, following what they call the practice, right? If I hadn't been doing that, I wouldn't have been able to make it through some of those moments that were very tough, mm -hmm. just in terms of day-to-day -day stuff, whether it's, you know, I'm about to go drive an hour and a half down to see the in-laws and I had a rough day at the office. I, if I got in the car and drove off, I'd be pretty upset and just, you know, the, 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 the frustration would have been fueling up. So stop, take 10 minutes, meditate, understand that it's okay, breathe and then move forward. Right. Um, but, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's hard to describe how it's going to be okay in the end. I know that it is, mm -hmm. but I just don't know where that's going to be. I mean, we talk about when, when you when you lose, you know, someone so close to you, like Jennifer was with with me, and the future of having a family together. Right. And now that that doesn't right. exist anymore. Right. What is right. What does everything else look like? Yeah. How do I? I mean, do I want to have kids? I don't know. Do I do am I am, am I how do I get into that next relationship? Where does that go? Everyone's like, oh, when you're ready, when you're ready. We talk about cliches, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. When you're ready, that's a good one. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, it's not that doesn't that I'm, I'm I'm not ready. I just was stripped of everything I had. Someone who I sat on the couch with every night and held hands or snuggled up next to each other and and fell asleep to and and kissed before going to bed and said I love you before going to bed and kissed in the morning and said I love you every time in the morning before going to work. I don't have that anymore. Mm -hmm. 
what does that look like? How do I get that again? Mm-hmm. It's going to be different, mm-hmm. but that's not when I'm ready. I'm 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 pining after that. I'm 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 ex- I'm just I'm I'm wishing it could come back. Yeah, and I, I, I want it to be, you know, a, a way for it to have moved forward and gotten quote unquote better. But I don't I don't know. All I'm right. all I'm able to to, to understand is, is the way I'm going through this right now. Um, you know, that's why I, I said. When I was in the early stages, in the first couple months, I said, I don't know what t- you know tomorrow looks like. I only know what today looks like. I can't tell you where I'm going to be at in five months from now or six months from now. Right. I can tell you that markers are interesting. Six-month marker, one-year marker, 10-year markers. Right. Right? Yeah. I mean, we had this uh, horrific shooting that happened a little over a week ago uh, right. at the synagogue in Pittsburgh. Uh, and I thought about it a couple of days afterwards, and I said to myself, I wonder what those family members are going through right now they're on day three do they know what it's going to look like in you know you know uh seven and a half months from then mm-hmm. I, I don't know i couldn't have told you what it was going to look like in seven and a half months from then mm-hmm. you know no idea but mm-hmm. but I, and that's you know I, I think what's interesting about this is that i want to have conversations with people who have gone through something similar to this lost a loved one due to homicide, lost a loved one due to a mass shooting sort of situation because I, I want to talk to someone from 9-11, right, and learn how they went through this mm-hmm. and where they are now. Now, everyone goes through it differently, but give me some sort of insight. Give me a, 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 a sneak behind the curtain, right, of what that looks like. Well, that's what you're doing for others right now. So that is exactly what you're doing for others because one of the things that you said to me, too, is you consider yourself the others and you did mention the synagogue because there's no way now you're not going to hear those stories and not immediately i would think identify with something like that and what you're giving us now is a glimpse inside the mind of where are you at in the first eight months and what's going on with that so what are you thinking about for any type of a, do you give yourself the permission to look at a future at all? I think self-compassion is something that I struggle with a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I can't, I'm really hard on myself. And, you know, I, I, I've tried to get better at that. There's there's a practice to that too. Like there's a practice to, to mindfulness and meditation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I need to... Uh, I would like to be, I should say, you know, I would like to be more compassionate with myself. It's okay that I'm handling this the way I'm handling it. You know, you think you'd think almost eight months in that you'd have some sort of semblance of reality and you just don't, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Right. That's okay. But that's an easier said than done moment. Right. Like someone says, it's okay for you to be feeling the way you are. That's great. You're absolutely right. That is a factual statement. But one could understand how I think that's kind of crazy that I feel like that or hard that I feel like that. Or it's it's weird that I, you know, it or isn't it weird that I haven't broken down and cried my eyes out, that I haven't had a a moment or 30 minutes of a straight just ball fest. Mm-hmm. Right? Because that's what you're supposed to do when you go through such a terrible loss, right? No, no. You are supposed to go through it the way you are supposed to go through it and the way you are going through it. Right. 
All right. those things are hard to understand and wrap your head around when you're going through it. And even from, from an outsider's perspective, exactly. oh, I don't know how you're doing it, how you're so strong, how you're so resilient, yeah. right? I couldn't do what you do. No, I didn't know I could do what I could do. I pulled down, this opened up something in me that I had buried deep inside that I didn't, deep inside that I did not know I had that allowed me to be strong and resilient. Right. All right. So you don't know until you go through it. Right. It's it's just it's it's mind boggling. I mean, why we're even here? Right. Why we're even having this conversation? Exactly. All right. That doesn't. That's that's not how this was supposed to go. Right. Right. No. Right. I no no way. Right. Um, and you know sometimes. Sometimes I think like, what's it all worth? Like, and, and what does it all matter? I mean, I again, pragmatic, logical, you know, strong, resilient, intelligent. The ability to make decisions, you know, about getting up in the morning because you have to because there's no other option. I mean, let's just touch on suicide real quick while we're here, right? Because right. one could imagine someone going through what I went through may have suicidal thoughts, may right. have homicidal thoughts, right? And one thing that has stuck with me that both my therapist and uh, another woman who was a therapist who we saw early on said, if you're not thinking about hurting yourself or hurting others, you're doing the right thing. That was it. It was cut and dry. Mm -hmm. Right now, I don't have suicidal thoughts. Mm -hmm. I don't. I'll be real honest and say anyone who has ever who can say to you that they've never considered suicide is lying to you. Right. All right. right. Not necessarily about the physical act of killing yourself, but just the idea that what's it all worth? Right. Why am I still here? Right. You know, I don't consider myself, or I would never have considered myself someone who was be who would suffer from depression. But I've felt depressed before, mm -hmm. right? I have I have woken up and said, "What? Why does this? Why, why am I here? Wh not like why wasn't I there and I was killed? Okay, mm -hmm. but why am I still here? Why do I still get to go on?" Right. And here's the answer to that, or one of the answers to that. I'm here to continue on um, because that's what I'm doing, and that's what I'm I'm going to keep doing. Um, I, I think about. You know, I, I don't. I don't think suicide's an option for me. I don't have that currently, right? right. Can't tell you what six months is going to look for now, but currently, I and and for the past eight months almost, it's not an option for me. Right. It's twofold, right? Look at how uh, uh, how incredible this act has brought people together, and how everyone is surrounded by just the loss of of this wonderful, amazing woman. Okay, and and how this has brought pain and suffering on to others. If if I kill myself, I bring it on to you guys as well. I'm done. It's over. I don't have to suffer anymore. But now you guys are continuing to suffer. Right. That's one. Two, you know how pissed she'd be at me? <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding? This is what you're going to do with your life? Yeah. You're going to go ahead and kill yourself? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that, that that depressive thoughts haven't entered my mind. Yeah. And, and what's it all worth hasn't ever come up because it has. And you're going to go through that. Yeah. And that's okay too. I have been lucky that I have this community of family, of close friends of said family, of individuals in my industry, in my town, uh, my community within my work family, um, who have been amazing, by the way, just like incredible support from them. Um, and then the extended community from that wine family. Right. right, our members that are there surrounding me, whatever I need, whenever I need it, They're right? There. They're there. 
And so that that has helped me navigate this a little bit better. When something comes up, I you know I, I can talk to someone. On that note, though, I think it was interesting to to mention is that, and I still believe this almost eight months in, and it'll probably go on for a long time. But it is a lot easier to receive a phone call or text message than it is to make one. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I'm sitting there. I, I'm I'm alone. I'm I'm alone at home uh, on a, on a on a Friday night, and I'm I'm scrolling through pictures and I'm seeing stuff and I'm getting sad and I don't know what to do and you know it's just it, it's it's hard, right? Who do I call? Oh, you can always call me day or night. That's yeah. what they say, right? Still, it's a whole different thing when people reach out hard. to you. You know, and TJ, let me just, you know, point out too, in the research that we've done and what we've seen and how people have done well, it is that people have embraced the help and accepted it. And that's one of the things that, yes, these people have reached out to you, but you accepted it. You went with it. You did what they suggested you do, or you move forward with it. The biggest, the most horrible thing, like you said, is it's the isolation. It's what brought that murder to your wife's doorstep, too, is he was isolated. You cannot have that isolation. So on your charge, it's good that you are accepting this help and recognizing you are not going to get through this by yourself. It's absolutely right. I think, you know, I'm in, th- I'm in therapy. Good. I'll admit it. I'm in therapy. It's great. You know, therapy does not help me. Mm-hmm. Okay. It does not make the pain go away. It's much like that meditation situation um, and practice. It, it doesn't. But I go to therapy because I'm not a professional at this. She's a professional listener, just like Jen was. Right. You know, I'll say something really quickly about Jen being a, a clinical psychologist like she was, um, every, every day I would come home and the first thing she would want to do is is ask about my day. And this is after her going to work every day, listening to people tell her their problems. And now, from what I'm understanding, these problems were pretty serious and pretty hard. And she had to listen to that and offer up some sort of advice or you know, how to cope with things or just be there as, as their, you know, their shoulder, if you will. And after all those terrible things that she, w- she would listen to, she'd come home and ask me about my day and want to listen to me talk, right? Not like, hey, can you believe what I heard today? First of all, HIPAA, okay, right? right? I right. couldn't, I, I mean, I'm so lost in the idea that I had no idea what was going on in her life because she couldn't tell me. So I'm str- I struggle with that. I wrestle with that a lot. Because you think, how could I have done something? How could I have changed anything? And, and there, there's just no way. There's no way. But, you know, I like like that individual. Um, I'm reintegrating in society myself after this loss. Right. And that's what she was helping those individuals who suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder and other issues. You know, I don't think that I'm suffering from PTSD. I wasn't in the room where it happened. Mm-hmm. Right. But right. what I'm suffering from is you know, the loss of my, my wife and my everything and how do I get back into society? Mm-hmm. I mean, we talk about post-traumatic growth, mm-hmm. right? That's something that she was really focused on in that and what you're doing as well. And I think that's important for us to kind of understand that. Um, 
you know, I, I think what, what is, uh, is mind boggling to me is that I, I look back on, on pictures. Okay. And pictures are really interesting to talk about because they're they're It's still life. They don't move. And that's what I'm left with. I'm left with an image, a picture. That's all I have left. Mm-hmm. It's hard to, to look at those things and watch it, but it's also really great because it gives her life again. She's moving, she's laughing, she's talking, she's dancing, all those things, and she's there again. Mm-hmm. A picture doesn't do that justice. Mm-hmm. But I look back on all those things, all those memories, all the wonderful things that we, we did on honeymoon last year in Italy, our phenomenal wedding that I describe as over 365 days of planning for an eight-hour event that I would do over again in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. All right, and you were there. You saw how there. amazing yeah, it was, yeah, right? Yeah, 215 yeah. people with a open bar and a dance floor full of people at a live band. I mean, it was incredible. But I look back on all those things and I feel disconnected from that life. I don't know. That doesn't look like my life anymore. Yeah. And then I look to the future about how, what we talked about earlier and say, how does that future exist? What is that future going to look like? And I haven't been able to connect myself to this current life either. Mm-hmm. So where am I? trapped in purgatory I'm right in the middle yeah how does that look what do i do it's really 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 eerily strange um because i had a plan i had a life i had this idea um and frankly those weren't those weren't set in stone okay we think we have these plans that goes back to that expectations and that judgment sort right. of thing we're talking about as well but you can kind of see where you're going i'm i was walking down a road one day metaphorically speaking and an ied blew up my road now I don't have that road and I got to move forward into a different path. And I haven't been able to connect myself to that path yet. I'm still wandering. You know, the metaphor of you're going through a tunnel and there's no way you can go around the tunnel. You have to go through that tunnel. It's a good one. It's a great example. It's, and it's not, it's not easy. So when you, so I don't, uh, let's, let's kind of, we'll finish up with the, your notion too of um, you're talking about how are you you know, the movement forward. How do you've given us so much insight into this, but can you give us some, okay, here's how you make these chocolate chip cookies, you know, <laughs> advice. Um, you know, I think it's like, so some things that have, that have changed about this, I'm a different person sort of situation is I don't, um, it, we'll call them, you know, colloquialisms or uh, turn of phrases or things that are common everyday statements that we make, right? Oh man, I was laughing so hard I could have died or, oh man, that's killing me. Or what do you call the, uh, the, the front seat, passenger seat in your car you're getting into? We call that shotgun, right? I don't, I don't say that. I can't say those things anymore. It's hard to hear sometimes. I ran in this Ragnar relay this past weekend, okay? 12 individuals, three legs uh, per per individual part of this race, 200 miles from San Francisco to Napa. We did it for Jen. It was absolutely amazing. So tiring, so exhausted. My knee is killing me right now, but incredible. But one of the things that you would do is, or one of the things that people would do, because this has been going on for many years and, and you're in a van, you're driving, and when you're, when you're on your, your leg of your race and you're running and you're passing someone, they call that a kill. All right. Uh-huh. And they're on the windshield. There are how many kills you had. We didn't do that. Okay. But uh-huh. I'm looking at that and, and that's hard. Those are those things that you have to, you have to get over. You have to accept them too. 
and I'm willing to accept them, but I'm also this different person that's probably not going to use those turn of phrase anymore. Right. Um, and I will, I will be able to move forward in a better way by doing that. Um, I'm not bitter in that, in that position. You know, I don't, I don't think, how could someone say that? Um, or am I, am I angry at that person when they do that? No. Um, but I think I'm going to just keep, keep on doing what I'm doing to move, to move forward. Um, and it's, uh, look, it's a long road. Okay. And it's certainly a marathon and not a sprint. And despite the fact that I just did this Ragnar relay race, I don't like to run. Um, so marathons are not fun for me, but you know, I'll describe what I'm going through every day as if it's an onion, right? And you'll, you'll, you'll make a breakthrough and you'll peel back a layer and you'll see something else that'll, that'll, you know, trigger it. That's another, yeah, another turn right, of phrase, right, right? right? Um, and I'll peel back another layer and then there's something there and then another layer and it's something there. And it's all these different layers of this onion. And I don't even like onions. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's just, it's so, it's so incredible, but we, you know, we'll get through this. Um, and I'm, uh, I'm incredibly blessed for my family, uh, and, uh, and my friends and this community. And, uh, you know, she's with us some way, shape or form little things that come on, uh, you know, the radio, uh, whether it's you walk into a, uh, a restaurant and, and on the music that's playing is, you know, a song that she liked, you know, she's probably doing that. Yeah. Right. You know, she's, uh, was running along with us in spirit in that right. race. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I'll see her eventually. Yes. You know, the phrase you are not alone is really, uh, it's really paramount. It's really stuck with me. And, uh, and I'm thankful that I'm not. Hope your day is going well. Appreciate you having to tune to uh, KEXP Seattle, an affiliate of the University of Washington, broadcasting live from Seattle Center. Hard to believe it's been a week since our uh, last Music Heals Day, Music Heals Addiction and Recovery. There were so many profound and moving emails. Uh, thanks to all of you who uh, who sent emails in that day. And, and there was one I wanted to read uh, today from TJ Shushariba saying, I'm writing to you today, not because I am suffering or have suffered from addiction, but because I feel that music is truthfully a savior for anyone who is hurting. I lost my wife, Jennifer Gonzalez Shushariba, to the tragic events in Yountville, California on March 9th, 2018. Uh, TJ goes on to say, every day for the past 76 days, I've listened to music, most of which has been via KXP online, one way or another. It plays on my home speakers while I'm at work so that when I walk in at night, I hear the soothing sounds of a friendly voice as there is no one at home to greet me now. It seems to help me cope. My wife was a clinical psychologist who worked for the Veterans Administration, assisting those who may suffer from issues such as addiction, depression, and most often PTSD. She was an incredible and amazing woman who I was madly in love with, who did a selfless job and wanted nothing more than to help those veterans in need. Music was a big part of her life, as it is mine. We often would sing and dance to the incredible works of Sam Cooke or Otis Redding or Paul Simon, some of her favorites. In fact, I sang a few bars, probably poorly and out of tune, of the song Graceland in my vows at her and our wedding on March 18, 2017. 
I would be touched and moved if you'd play one of the following songs in her honor. I know she's listening wherever her soul is resting. And then TJ uh, requests Paul Simon, Graceland, Otis Redding, These Arms of Mine, Sam Cooke, A Change is Going to Come, and A Foreigner Song. And says, uh, I hope that those listening today can get the help they need. We are here to support you. Please take care. Thank you again. KXP for all you guys and girls do. It truly is music that matters. So, TJ, incredibly sorry for your loss. Uh, thank you for sharing your story and the role that music plays and played in Jennifer and your lives. Uh, and uh, know that you are not alone. And there's a, a KXP community thinking of you and Jennifer and the remarkable and amazing woman she uh, she was, is. So going to uh, play a set of music for you. And again, thanks for sharing that story. This is Otis Redding, These Arms of Mine. These arms of mine. Don't miss our next podcast, Stage 2, Turning Point. An interview with Bill Finkbeiner, who had his skull fractured in an accident and left to die on the Sacramento levee. Learn more about post-traumatic growth through metahabilitation and about Dr. Joyce Michael Flynn by visiting metahab.com. You'll also be able to order Dr. Joyce Michael Flynn's book, Turning Tragedy into Triumph. Sliver of Hope, the podcast series on post-traumatic growth, is presented by Metahab and a production of Multipoint Content Strategies. If you'd like to contribute either your personal story or the story of someone you know, please email a brief description of your story to mystory at metahab.com. Thanks for listening. The purpose of this podcast is to provide a general discussion of the topic presented, which may or may not apply to the individual listener. It is not intended to provide and is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor, therapist, mental health professional, or other qualified medical professional. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the interviewer or guest.